Well, I got I you mean, a nice fresh Johnsonville brat right here, and you're putting on what condiments? I would put mustard on. I might even throw a pickle on occasionally, but usually some spices more than anything else, like some some peppers and maybe even a little bit of a little bit of hot spice. Let's say really make it. Okay, well, you're not winning my contest. (laughs) (laughs) Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Eight oh nine on Wisconsin's Morning News this Wednesday morning. Shocking summer alert today, the first day of summer and summer fest. Starts tomorrow. A little go. bit more on what's happening on the first day of the big gig coming up through the hour of the program. Greg Pancake Hill produces the show. Eric Bilstead of Vince Vitrano here with you until 9 o'clock. And Jeff Wagner will take you the rest of the way before the Brewers today. He's in early for Steve at 9 this morning. Just today? And it's Tracy Johnson tomorrow oh, okay. for Steve's show. Because I think, I, I don't know, are these make goods like Steve worked holidays or something like that? Yeah. No. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. I don't. I don't ask. <laughs> we'll, we'll see him when I'm it gets off. Back. Couple days off. What? I can't take a good day off. You take days off. You know, people don't need to know that. They don't need to know why I'm off. I didn't know Steve was in the studio. Good? Here he is. <laughs> Turns out Steve is here today. Now do Wagner. <laughs> no, he's right out there. <laughs> not going. Not, yeah, not getting in any trouble with Jeff. Okay. Don't All take right. me down that path. Fine. Hey, can we start with the latest on the search for the five people who are missing? in what they call a, a submersible, this like little mini submarine that was down there taking four tourists, and it was piloted by one of the professionals from this company, that uh, they were going to visit the site of the wreckage of the Titanic nearly 13,000 feet below the surface of the ocean. So on the ocean floor, hundreds of miles off the coast of Nova Scotia, uh, or sorry, Newfoundland, and they've been missing four days. They can't find them. Some signs maybe that they are still alive, and then, I'm sorry, dwindling hope that this has a good outcome. There has been a report uh, that a sonar had picked up some type of sound, whether it was banging sounds or something like that. Noise was detected on Tuesday. Which that would be, so if you're down there on the ocean floor hoping to be rescued, Mm -hmm. and you have no communications with the surface... I suppose the one way that you would perhaps try to communicate, hey, we're down here, can you locate us, is by making that sound. So if somebody's inside this thing banging on there, hoping yep, that that yep. sonar would pick that up, because they have no other way to communicate with the surface, that one would let the rescuers know we're still we're still here, and two, maybe help them help locate. Pinpoint, if possible. It's the timing neither, is now sure. absolutely critical, and ABC News confirmed that those noises were described as banging noises heard yesterday morning on sonar, but so far, they haven't found anything. That's Gio Benitez. Yeah, so they're, they're busy trying to see if any of this will work. So how do you do that? Well, in some of these cases, they're using ROVs now. So what is an ROV? Think of like Big Geek and Little Geek from the Abyss movie. Where they bring, they're tethered and they can drive them around. And they What's have a, ROV? Remote Operated Vehicle? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Yep, yep, yep. This is a robot that has cameras attached to it. Maybe one of these ROVs is going to stumble across it in the deep ocean. Maybe the sonar pings that we are listening for will actually find it. And when they do find it, then maybe there's a chance that they can actually try and salvage us. And essentially, the effort is being made because no one's giving up on this. The hard part is finding them. Yeah, so think about that for a second. 
So this submersible is what the size of a minivan. That's what uh, we. That was the comp we yeah. heard yesterday. Remember that airplane that went down in the Indian Ocean that we never found. That was an airplane. Miles and miles of wreckage, you would assume. That crashed on the surface of the water. This was, what, miles underwater, or at least it was on its way descending down to the Titanic wreckage when it went and had issues. So even finding this is going to be really, really difficult. And then if they're able to... The technology needed to search the ocean floor and then find something is unbelievably difficult. Here's National Geographic editor Kristen Romey. If you were sitting on the beach with a can of Coca-Cola, that can of Coca-Cola would be crushed like a ball at the very bottom of the Titanic. And it is that carbon fiber titanium sphere that is protecting the people that are going down to the site. And not only that, so even if it is down there in, a, in, in the large region where the disaster is from Titanic, you're talking about debris from the actual Titanic in having to decipher between that and move through all of that, depending on where, if that's where the submersible is, the challenges and the, the clock is ticking, and they are running out of time. So many ifs and maybes to all of these reports, right, that we're looking at. If they're still alive, right. and if it's down there, and if they find it, then maybe we could. And it's just the ifs and the maybes are mounting, and you're right. The clock is ticking. We're somewhere inside of about 24 hours. Yeah. So about this time tomorrow, they would run out of the emergency supply of oxygen that would if they if they are still alive that's what's keeping them alive now one thing that i had read was that this submersible is supposed to actually come to the surface if there's a problem and i don't know how you define problem in a submersible like this you know what i mean but if something were to happen where the the it it you know flips a switch on on the the control panel that says there's an issue here this is happening that's going on it's supposed to come right back up and even if that's the case if it's floating on the surface right now still not good necessarily even if that sub did rise to the surface and they're just floating waiting to be rescued that sub is actually bolted shut from the outside so they need to be found because they are running out of oxygen they can't there's no get way out. to open it from inside they cannot get out even if it's on the surface floating right now there's got to be a reason that there's not some sort of emergency procedure where you're able to you know, like on aircraft, they have the uh, explosive bolt doors, right? Where you poof, detonate oh, a charge sure. and the door pops open and that I mean, can be activated and, and is from the inside. It's got to be the pressure, right? The pressurization of this thing. Right. There's got to be a reason it's not you and I just figured out, like, hey, you know what they should do on one of these? <laughs> they should pull a switch. I, I don't know why they don't engineer Smarter people way. than us certainly have, have a reason <laughs> right. for not designing that into this submersible. But, yeah, and then... The, the other if and maybe is if they find it on the ocean floor, as you said, was a possibility, Eric, that describe again what it what it was like they would because you have to get it back up to the surface. It's twelve thousand five hundred feet below the surface right. of the ocean. So you'd have to send down like a claw and a cable and doing something like that would be as easy as it is to pull out a really heavy stuffed animal after a claw, you know, in a claw machine that you see in Wisconsin Dells or any one of those restaurants that have those claw machines in the lobby area. It's not easy at all, given everything that's involved here, whether it's just the pressurization, the fact that it's that far down, the, the weight, all of that comes into play. Meanwhile, they need to like be, 
in Zen mode right now. The only way they can survive as long as they can is to not use energy, not be breathing as much as possible. Yesterday, we heard the report that what they really should be doing is sleeping if they can to avoid using so much oxygen. Here is a, this is a, a lady named Fran Capo. So she spoke to ABC. She's an adventurist who actually went down in a sub like this uh, years ago. She says that they know what they're supposed to do if they're still conscious. There's a bunch of survivor adventure people down there and need to go into survival mode, which means they're keeping the lights out. They're probably not talking. Yeah, they're keeping the quiet because they know that they can't burn energy. She went down in 2005. I'm an adventurer. And one of my adventures was in July 10th, 2005, I went down to the wreck site of the Titanic. At that time, it was only $35,000 to go down there. And so I got sponsors. Yeah, now it costs a quarter of a million dollars to go down there. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? And I certainly hope it plays out the same way. It reminds me of Apollo 13. Where they dumped the thing, gadgets and things. This is what these guys got up there, yeah. figure out a way yeah. to... Fix the, fi- the filtration system. The right? only difference is in that case, they could communicate. In this case, we have no communication with the, the folks in board, on board. And a lot of smart people are working on this. But th- the thing that just overwhelms me in my thoughts is as smart as they are, as many things as they can come up with, they got to find this thing first. And that's only the first hurdle to cross before all sorts of other things have to go right. And then working against the clock, as we say, this time tomorrow morning the, the clock may have expired. Man, my biggest fear is same with that plane. That plane was never found. I mean, this thing is the size of So many of families a, without sizable answers, yes, without yes. what happened. This thing is the size of a minivan. I mean, it, I think it would be a miracle even to find it at any point. And then answer all the questions that families right. surely have. So we're on top of that. We've got uh, all the news sources here reporting New developments through the morning. A bunch of things were different this morning when we came in than they were when we left. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that story. It certainly has captivated the attention of folks all over the world. 818 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-two on Wisconsin's morning news. So today is the summer solstice. Yes, the first day of summer, and with that comes the. We'll have more than fifteen hours of daylight today. So That's when we right. say it's the longest day of the year, I always say this: Please don't text and suggest to us. You know, it's not actually a longer day. Just mean the most daylight that we'll get out of the year. The the cynics view of that is, or, or the skeptic, or I don't know, the glass half empty. Mm-hmm. Is tomorrow our days start getting shorter? <laughs> no. Can you believe no. it? But yes, there were various celebrations underway. Yes. The, What's uh, the big thing at Stonehenge? Do they do something there? So the Druids, the hippies, the wizards, they all go to Stonehenge. The wizards. Thousands of them there show wizards. up there and celebrate the solstice as the sun comes up. You see a million cell phones being held in the air as they do seances and sing and dance. Most of what I said is true. Wizards you made up. They may be self-proclaimed wizards. Yes, yeah. Or maybe it's like midsummer. Maybe there's you a don't sacri- know. There could be a sacrifice. I don't think there are. <laughs> Come on. Um, no one's jumping from mountains. 
Um, so it's one of those uh, events that people go to, though, because they firmly believe that 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 Stonehenge was built for that, Debbie. I mean, that that's that's yeah. This is this is why people go <laughs> to the Renaissance Fair in Kenosha for like what happened. At Stonehenge, many, 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 many moons. Why ago. do you keep? That's the second time today you've tied in Stonehenge with Renaissance it's the Fair. Same kind of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the Ren Fair. It's a little bit older than Ren Fair, dude. <laughs> well, right, but I tell you, my son desperately wanted to go to Ren Fair. We went last year for his birthday, and I was out of place, not dressed up. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, your son strikes me as a Ren Fair kind of guy. He would yeah. probably get into the whole history of it. So he would love this then, that all of these people come out and do this to, to celebrate and to see as the sun comes up over what is one of the most ancient things on our planet. Do we have, this is going to sound a really stupid question, but do we know what Stonehenge is? What that was? Who put it there? All that? Or is that why it's like this mystical place? Because we're just not quite sure. Astronomical uh, calendar, I guess, was yeah. the last thing I heard. Yeah. They firmly they believe that the solstice had something to do with its creation. Well, but by who made it? That's what I'm saying. Um, the solstices, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Solstice. <laughs> that I don't know. It's possible we know. I just don't have that in front of me. I'm supposed to bring you answers on this program. All I have <laughs> was questions here on the solstice. <laughs> Eight twenty-five on Wisconsin's morning news. Greg from Greenfield texting in this morning. One theory suggests that Stonehenge was used as a late Neolithic burial site and monument to the dead, or at least for 500 years during the first two phases of its construction from 3000 B.C. until the monuments were erected in 2500 B.C. So there you go. That's asked and answered. Thanks, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty remarkable, though, isn't it? Like, I have a hard enough time, like, keeping my my grass trimmed and the, the weeds pulled yet. Thousands of years ago, people were moving giant rocks. Dragging them around. Yeah. Putting them up like that. Clearly paying attention to astronomy at a time when they didn't have phones to look at. Talk about another mystery solved. Apparently, Jordan Love was not trolling Bears fans. <laughs> nor nor did I really ever suspect he was. It just seems we don't know him very well yet, Packers quarterback, uh, in the stead of Aaron Rodgers. But... Never did seemed out of place that this video that went viral and all the reaction to it of him wishing Happy Father's Day to Bears fans was somehow him poking at Bears fans. <laughs> like all of a sudden, totally out of character, hasn't really started a game, but for like once in the NFL is now out there like antagonizing. See, that's what I wanted it to be, though. I wanted him to be like, hey, Bears fans, who's your father? Right. I am. Happy Father's Day to uh, all the Bears fans out there. Go Pat Go. <laughs> so... It was that statement, that video that was posted by a dude named Christoph, and getting to the bottom of it was our Tony Cartagena. He actually talked with the guy who posted that video, who talked with Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, Jordan Love, and just said that the whole thing, all the reaction to it on Twitter, it was one moment that people took out of context and took to mean what they thought they wanted it to mean, and it got blown up. Some guys, whoever I don't really care anyway, uh, took that video for for themselves and uh, and starting spreading it, and obviously out of context because they didn't know what it was about, and they they all thought it was Jordan Law's genuine uh, video, which uh, it was not. Obviously, it was on my request, and he kindly uh, <laughs> accepted it. 
Okay, Christoph, the context. The context is, dude's a Bears fan. He ran into Jordan Love and some other NFLers who were putting on a youth football camp, and they were apparently very accessible to fans. Which is cool. That's great. Right. And this guy, even though he's a Bears fan, had gone up to Love and, you know, was having a nice conversation with him. Because that's okay. Right. Yeah, that is okay. <laughs> and he said Jordan Love was actually very nice. No, as, as a person, honestly, he was uh, super cool to, to, to the kids and uh, everyone in that, in that camp. Uh, um, he never shied away for anything, uh, signed autographs, obviously made some videos and uh, picked, well, photos with everyone asking. Um, that, that was really a, a very cool moment. So the whole thing was this guy asked Love, hey, can you... Wish Bears fans a happy Father's Day. Like it was, it was teasing. It was fun, right. and they were both in on it. And then when it got thrown out into the Twitterverse, people took it where they wanted it to go. And surprised, not at all, am I that Jordan Love wasn't out there and trying to antagonize the Bears fan base or do anything like that? He seems like he's just not interested. Still would have been awesome, though. <laughs> I would have taken it. But anyway, mystery solved for you. Thanks to our Tony Cartagena who tracked down the guy who originally posted that video. 831 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight thirty-six on Wisconsin's Morning News. Gonna let the Black Crows play for a second. Needed it. Got to crank it up a little bit today. The historic state shared revenue plan was signed into law by Governor Tony Evers this morning. I'm getting a little bit frustrated. I guess it's maybe cart before the horse here, but frustrated by things that I'm hearing out of City Hall about how the Milwaukee Common Council is now going to address uh, what is in their hands, and that being the opportunity to raise or to levy for the first time a sales tax to help avert the fiscal cliff that is quickly approaching. So let's uh, back up here and tell you what is the law that Governor Tony Evers signed. Everybody good? Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here in Wausau. I want <laughs> I like I got I got to hit that again. You like so this is how the big the big to do, the big bill signing ceremony started. Everybody good? Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here in Wausau. I want to begin today by thanking Wausau Mayor Rosenberg and everybody here at the Wausau Fire Department and Station 2 for hosting us today. And so it was a ceremony, as the governor said, at the Wausau Firehouse there. What would you have preferred? A little bit more ramped up start? How about that? <laughs> he did. There, there was some excitement from the governor yesterday. He's obviously very proud of the deal that he struck. A number of people have texted this morning, what was he doing in Wausau? Right. And uh, folks suggesting that it was deliberately very far from Milwaukee, where parts of this deal are not politically very palatable for liberals and for Democrats. And a lot of them upset with the governor over the deal that he struck specifically about some of the provisions that are in there for Milwaukee. We'll break some of that down here in a moment, but in that moment of actually signing the bill, see, see I like to pull things that are going to make you laugh. Mm -hmm. So State Revenue Secretary Peter Barker was there also, and he like was moving it along to the actual bill signing. Now for the moment, we're all here for governor. We look forward to you signing that bill. Let's give him a round of applause. There you go. That's what you were looking for. <laughs> he is. Wait for it now. Here we are. Whoa, whoa. He, he signed the hell out of that bill. Woo! The big effing deal. He, he really signed that, right? <laughs> Mr. President. 
So this morning I was talking about being frustrated. There are open questions about whether Milwaukee will actually follow through on that sales tax provision touted as the lifeboat for the city and county finances nearing that fiscal cliff. Uh, The governor said he has been working on this for years. He appreciates the outreach that he got or the ability to negotiate with Republicans in the state legislature. The plan will increase payments from the state to local cities, towns, villages, and counties. So this touches every one of us in some way here in Wisconsin, regardless of where you live. Now, it will also allow Milwaukee County to levy an additional sales tax. County's already had a sales tax. This will allow the county to increase that by 0.4%. will allow the city of Milwaukee, for the first time ever, to enact a 2% sales tax to bolster its failing finances. Now, in terms of the support that it's getting from Milwaukee, State Senator Latanya Johnson, a Democrat of Milwaukee, was there for the bill signing. She doesn't like everything in it, but she thinks it's important and likes ultimately the result for the city. For the city of Milwaukee, we were on the verge of insolvency. And for us, that meant that we would have to lay off up to 700 police officers, 250 firefighters. We would have to lay off 10 of our 12 library resources and so many more of our vital services. And the ability to do that, though, comes with a lot of strings attached that folks in Milwaukee don't like. And I appreciate their argument. Uh, They are going to have to, according to the bill that was signed into law, put cops back in schools. They have to maintain a certain level of police staffing. The law also will dramatically, lawsuits possibly pending, would dramatically limit the oversight ability of the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, one of the most powerful in the country of those civilian bodies that oversee the police department. Folks in Milwaukee don't like that. They don't want to be told from the state what they have to do. But that was what the governor thought he needed to grant in order to get this deal passed. So it's in there. And here's the thing that I'm curious about, because you mentioned, what, a July deadline? for July uh, July 11th is when the Common Council intends on voting and needs two-thirds majority to vote into sales tax. Now, the Common Council president quoted in the paper this morning saying that, hey, we're losing $16 million a month by not having this, so let's get this hearing underway. Let's get this vote done. Yeah, president Perez uh, issued a news release saying there's a lot of stuff in there he doesn't like, that the city will address that through legal means or perhaps yeah. lobbying efforts, but that he also urges the passage of the sales so tax. So you mentioned lobby. What are lobbying efforts going to do anything? Nothing. This was the deal. So the legal effort, that's interesting. If a lawsuit is filed... Is that what the critics of this plan, and there's at least seven of them, so they have, you know, they need some of those critics who uh, came out in a press release, strongly worded press release a couple of weeks ago, saying, hey, this shared revenue deal is no good, common council members. If they vote against it, what happens next? Or does this prompt them to vote for it? Thus, they can say, yeah, we're hoping these legal matters will fix everything. Yeah, and two things on that. First, this happened. This bill was signed into law. So all the things that Milwaukee doesn't like about it are happening, regardless of whether the Common Council goes forward and passes the one thing that they desperately wanted, which was this sales tax in order to avert the fiscal crisis that is fast approaching. So I just don't get the connection. You have to separate out, if you're one of the members of the Common Council, separate out the two. You can go ahead and whine about all the other stuff. You can go ahead and pursue whatever means you want to blow up the deal. The one part about it that you wanted, that you got it, that the governor on your behalf fought for and brought back from the brink. Remember, they were at the 
Robin Voss a couple weeks ago was saying, Speaker of the State Assembly was saying, all right, fine. We'll strip out all the Milwaukee stuff from this. We'll do the state shared revenue thing because mm-hmm. we can't come to an agreement. We're hearing the governor's going to veto it. Fine. I mean, it was, at least publicly, dead. And then it was resurrected. And this is the deal that the governor struck on behalf of so many liberals and Democrats in Milwaukee County and in the city of Milwaukee. So take it up with your guy. But this is happening regardless of whether you move forward with that next step. How about that? How about that? It would see him an act of lunacy if they took it to this point, gave you that opportunity, and then you don't vote for the sales tax. On a separate issue, then, is how do you continue to pursue trying to loosen some of those strings that have been attached to it? I don't see much recourse there. I mean, what are, well, what are lobbying efforts going to do? You've been lobbying on this for years. Unless there was an opportunity where moving forward, whether it's six months down the road or whatnot, that you can loosen by also negotiating something else. I mean, is that something that potentially could be done and then voted upon? Again, I'm just purely speculating, suggesting. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. Just it, perhaps that's where the lobbying efforts could work. Sure. And should there continue to be conversations about are there other things that Republicans and Democrats at the state level can come together on? I mean, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think this is a super positive sign. You had in COVID times, the leadership in the state legislature and the governor of the state couldn't get in the same, couldn't even get on the phone together. Right. They didn't talk, much less get in the same room and actually negotiate and hammer out a deal that has some wins for both sides and some losses for both sides. That's what compromise is. We say that all the time as voters. We want these guys to work together. We want them to compromise so we can move things forward. Well, that's what that looks like. Some stuff in there you like, some stuff you don't. I think the city needs to move forward on at least passing the sales tax. You've been granted that. That's what you said you wanted. And also, really important point was you said you didn't want to put it to a referendum. You got both of those things. You got to move forward on that. And the rest... The rest is, I don't know, what, what you're hearing out of the county. And we haven't even brought up the, the county board. Right. That's a whole different bag right there. As far I mean, you're talking about um, part-time supervisors with a lot of other things going on in their lives, too. They're not all just sitting there in the, in the county courthouse, walking the halls, negotiating with each other. Like they used to. <laughs> Walk around with nothing but time to create mischief for one another. <laughs> that was the old county board. So, yeah, to your point, I haven't heard a lot uh, out of the county board. I, it doesn't sound like there's the same level of pushback there. And, again, they're not affected by some of these city provisions. So they don't have all those sort of city Correct. things attached Correct. that's bugging uh, the Milwaukee Common Council. Good point. Fair enough for their arguments, but they got to go ahead and pass that sales tax. 845 on Wisconsin's Morning News. What do you like on your broad, Eric? A little mustard. That's it? Well, I got I mean, you a nice, fresh Johnsonville brat right here, and you're putting on what condiments? I would put mustard on. I might even throw a pickle on occasionally, but usually some spices more than anything else, like some some peppers and maybe even a little bit of, a little bit of hot spice. I'd say really make it... On the... Like you're th- reaching yeah. for like sriracha or something like yeah, that? Yeah, a little bit. Just a really? Little hint, just a hint. Okay, well, you're not winning my contest. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my contest. It's Johnsonville's contest. I also contest. like peanut butter on my breath. <laughs> I'm, I, I bet you that was one of the oh, 270 sure entries in the Johnsonville Top Your Brat contest. And I mentioned it because I'll be out at Summerfest tomorrow. Opening day of Summerfest tomorrow. Gates mm-hmm. open at noon. Yep. And if you're part of the early crowd, come out and see us. I'm going to be at the Johnsonville Somerville stage at the north end of the grounds. And uh, that's 
So like the downtown side, closer to the skyline there, mm-hmm. and then just to the west of all the activity there off the mall. I'll be out there judging the Top Your Brat contest. Johnsonville solicited entries online, and it was real easy to enter. All you had to do was like give them your things. Now, it was Here, I'll let Stephanie Schaefer from Johnsonville talk about uh, what they were looking for in the Top the Brat contest. Just simply write what might be up to three toppings that you would put on a original Johnsonville Brat and what the vessel would be. You know, is it a lettuce leaf, a romaine lettuce? Is it a pita bread? Is it a naan bread or a traditional bun? And then give it a name. And our kitchens team is going to pick three finalists. I do have the finalists, which I will reveal momentarily. I just like that term vessel. I'm going to use the vessel. That from now on. I'll tell you what the vessel is, and it's not the lettuce wrap. <laughs> she okay, mentioned that's that. Not like, work no, it nah, ain't working for me. And it, something like that did not make the finals, but a couple of her ideas did. Now, All among right. the judges, of whom I am one for that contest tomorrow, to be the Johnsonville owner, they call him the Sausage King, Ralph Steyer, and several others. Now, it's not just. It's not willy-nilly, Eric. I can't just go up there and be like, "Yeah, this looks good. That's all right. There's like a scoring rubric, if you will. Oh, nice. Okay, there are parameters you got to follow. Very good. Taste is 25% of the the, the score. Uh, Originality and creativity, 25%. Visual representation is 20%. It's got to be easy to consume because you got to remember these are Summerfest goers, and they might be walking with the food or sitting down and have to enjoy it. That's 15%. And then what's the title of the of the sandwich? And that's another 15%. So those are your judging parameters, Ben. Right, you want to know the finalists here? Yes, please. The Eurobrat, that's got Euro sauce, pico, and feta cheese crumbles. Okay. And the vessel, Eric, is pita bread. All right. So that's not a standard right. bun. You got the pita bread mm-hmm. there wrapping the brat in. Number two is the Northern Walking Brat. It has uh, queso salsa, pico, and then crushed Fritos, and that's served up on a tortilla. No, no, uh, no other fish flavor that you can kind of put on the top of that. Some white fish or something. <laughs> Keep asking for that because it's what is the northern yes. walking brat. So <laughs> yeah. if you want a real Wisconsin feel, it's got to have walleye crumbles. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Great. Just saying that is not included. The only three toppings, and then this one already wins best creative name, the Cabrazzi. Ooh, okay. Like. Luca Brazzi, yes, who sleeps yeah, with yeah. the fishes. If you want fishes, Luca Brazzi Speaking sleeps with of, the fishes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that has fresh mozzarella, bruschetta sauce, and tomatoes, and it's on an Italian bun. So I imagine the bun is like rather substantial. Are you kidding? Another one. That would be good. <laughs> For me, my bra- I would I could not submit because I am a judge. But my brat, in fact, I'm grilling out today. I've got 20 Johnsonville in the fridge right now. Okay. Uh, my dad's coming by because I wasn't able to see him for Father's Day, so we got some family coming over. My brat today will have uh, like the you know you can get the rainbow pack of the peppers, uh, red, yellow, orange. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I'll we cut those that. up into yep. strips and I'll throw those on the grill as well. I like that, the olive like oil that. on that. So mm-hmm. I throw those on there, mayo and brown mustard. Interesting. So that's a thing, huh? You mix them together. But yeah, a lot of folks with the knee-jerk, repulsive reaction hmm. to the mayo. Yeah, I hmm. guess I'm a little... Don't? I'm con with the mayo. No? <laughs> it's not a mayo guy, but so why would you... Do so you the guy who's putting together? sriracha on his brat over <laughs> here. <laughs> what, you're like, little pickles. piece. What's wrong with some... <laughs> Man. Um, is that... Uh, is Do you actually mix the condiment together? I mean, not deliberately. You just... That's how that goes. The was the mayo because that's usually so it's spread not like on. secret stadium sauce where you put it in its own. Oh sink. man, I forgot about secret stadium sauce. All right, well, obviously, if you're at the ballpark, then it's kraut, secret stadium sauce, maybe some onions. Hmm. 
But that's at the ballpark. It's yeah. all right there for that's you. That's different. Oh, man, I forgot kraut, too. Got to have the kraut. All right. So but it's either kraut curious. or peppers. I'm not throwing that all together. I'll try that mayo thing. I'll okay. give that a shot. I'll set up a full condiment bar and then report back to me. The winner is going to get a year's supply of Johnsonville sausage and will have their winning item on the menu at the Somerville stage for Summerfest in 2024. So hope to see you as we kick off the festival. Summerfest opens tomorrow. It's the Top Your Brat Contest. Charlie Murphy's cooking Johnsonville broth! Johnsonville broth! Folks can't resist the simply great taste of Johnsonville broth. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. 8.58 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Peggy in Waukesha chiming in. She likes the mayo on the broad idea. She's going to try it. So, But it's not just recommend mayo. It. You have no, mayo. and brown mustard and peppers. I, I've never heard of that before. I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. It's just People are weird. People like weird stuff. It doesn't matter. I'm um, sure. Right. Mayo and Call it weird. That's how mustard. I like it. I just, hmm. All right. Jeff Wagner in the studio. He is uh, taking the Steve shift this morning. Jeff, I don't I remember, know how that happened. I don't know how <laughs> yeah, that happened. I was going to yeah. ask you. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure after all these years how that happened, but yeah, I'm here till 1230. I was remembering back in the occasion when I was over in TMJ4 when we would have you on to give us some sort of legal consultation right. or something like that. and. Man, that show was over by 7. So when you had to be on, it was like 6.30 in the morning meant you had to get up super early. I remember you being not so much a fan of the early hours. Well, every once in a while. That, that's, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to think. I think it's probably been about 10 years since I've, I've done you know this shift, and I'm going to do it on July 3rd as well. I don't know how that exactly happened, but I'm glad to help out, and it's a lot of fun. And um, I, I'm start off, I've got something to start off with. Remember, did you, are you familiar with the initials PDA? You know, public display oh, yes. of affection. Of affection you know, yes. anybody yep. that went to a parochial grade school or high school knows, you know, that the nuns would come around. No public displays of affection. Um, well, I've got a different sort of thing. It's not PDA. It's PDW. Probation doesn't work. <laughs> and I've got a story that demonstrates that. PDW. That's where we start off right after the top of the hour news. Jeff Wagner is next on WTMJ.